Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Wednesday morning, a game day for the Utah Jazz. Back at it tonight in Minnesota. we got a little uh, jazz talk for you coming up this morning. In a few minutes, you're going to hear from Tim Lacombe talking a little jazz, and also because he's a Newton Cougar, talking a little Utes and Cougars as well. Yes, he worked for both schools. We're going to start with the Cougars. Headed bowling, Blake Freeland talking about the matchup with UAB in the Independence Bowl. Here's Blake. Blake, talk about what you feel like the team has accomplished this year. And do you feel like, you know, getting this last opportunity in the bowl game is one you guys just embrace regardless of location or opponent or anything like that? Um, as a team, I think we've accomplished a lot. I think we've, um, every game we've come out and try to play our very best. And I think this this week is our this bowl game is another opportunity to go out there and kind of show our best and uh, prepare like we have been and just put it out all, all, all out on the field. Come on, Alex. Yeah, Blake, um, what was your reaction when you um, saw that it was going to be UAB, that you guys were playing in the Independence Bowl? Um, I think there was some talk that it was going to be UTSA and, you know, maybe an outside chance of, of New Year's, of New Year's six and all that. Um, but you know, how, what was your reaction when you saw that it was that opponent? Um, honestly, I had some high hopes for a New Year's six bowl. I knew it would be a stretch, but I was really hoping to get in. Um, but I know UAB is a solid, good team. And I know there'll be a great opponent for us to play. And, I'm pretty excited about it. It's just, again, it's another opportunity to play with the boys and uh, show what we've got. But overall, I'm just excited for the game and should be a fun one. Up next, we'll take a question from Jay Drew. Hey, Blake, uh, just wondered what, what you guys did as players last week. Did you get together as a team at all? And then also, what effect will having finals the week of the bowl game have on you guys? Um, last week, we kind of... Had a more chill week, um, but yeah, we got together. We a lot of us hung out. We worked out together. Just uh, nothing too crazy. Um, and then for finals, I mean, a lot of us will get our finals done early. I think, or I mean, we always have a lot of time on the bowl, the bowl trips to do our homework and knock it all out. So it's not really too big of a deal. Um, but you know, BYU school's tough and. It's just whether or not you knock it out before or during the trip. We'll take questions from Sean Walker, then Mitch, and then Jared. Hey, Blake, congrats on the bowl game and everything. But uh, uh, Kalani just told us there's a chance that, that James and maybe even Harris could be back. I know it's been a minute since you guys have had him. What, have the, what do those guys, those two guys bring to the offensive line? How big could it be to potentially maybe get them back for the bowl game? I mean, that'd be great. I didn't. I didn't really know where their status stood, but um, shoot, if we could have those two guys back, that'd be so fantastic. It makes um, all of our lives a little bit, a little bit easier. And our dudes that have stepped up have done a really great job. But you know, those those guys are seasoned seasoned veterans, and it's always great to have dudes back like that. Blake, a lot is made about uh, the value of bowl practices and what it can do in the development of players. Um, you've now become a veteran of the program. It's your third year. What In the previous seasons, what did bowl preparation or practices do to uh, to help you grow as a player into now your role today? Um, I think it helps a lot, honestly. I think um, bowl prep kind of 
is like spring ball. Honestly, we do a lot of um, skill work and just kind of working on yourself just because you have so, so much time to work on your opponent. You're also able to kind of better yourself. And I think it's a great uh, time to take advantage of that and just work on your game as an individual um, as well as a team. So, yeah, I think it, I think it takes a great place in just developing yourself and your skill set. Like you touched on this, but I'm, I'm curious about the pride this team has taken in the fact that that next man up mentality that you guys talk about so much, but you've been able, even with lots of guys being hurt or limited to have guys step in and continue winning and playing at a high level. How proud are you just of of the team in general and, and across the board in the way the team's been able to do that? Honestly, I'm super, super impressed, super proud of all the, the dudes that have stepped up. I know the coaches, Coach Funk has emphasized it, like kind of just he knows dudes are going down. He's like, we got to have dudes step up, and there, there they are, just steps right up and fills a role and um, just plays it perfectly. Um, I know offense and defense have struggled a little bit with injuries, and I think they're doing it on both sides of the ball really well. We have a question now from Alex. Like Tyler um, was in here just saying that, um, you know, when you guys are, are on the road, you guys will pretty much try any type of food that's put in front of you. Um, and, you know, Kalani was saying that he's excited to, to get some good Southern, Southern food in Louisiana. I'm curious, uh, it might be a weird question, but like in your recollection, what is the strangest thing food wise that you've tried? Interesting. Um, to be honest, um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. We eat a lot of just hotel food just in inside the hotel. Um, I think bowl games is really where we get to kind of outstretch and um, kind of go to restaurants and buy our own food and stuff. But uh, I've, I've heard some crazy stuff from people tried in Hawaii, but um, I'm excited to kind of see what's down there. There's BYU's Blake Freeland. When we come back, we'll talk Utes. Headed to a bowl game. Headed to the Rose Bowl to face Ohio State. Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider, coming up next. It's time to bring in Frank Dolce, our Utah Insider. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art. Smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PJ. Oh, Frankie. Rose Bowl Frankie. Yeah, how about that? Going to the Rose Bowl, everybody. Don't you want to go, go? Is that an original? Ah, it's kind of a takeoff. A little bit of yeah. like a little Weird Al Yankovic. I change the lyrics a little bit. <laughs> from going what to happened a, to that guy? Going to go go. What happened to Weird Al Yankovic? He's probably on a beach somewhere with all that money he made. Yep. <laughs> How could you? I mean, when you when he was growing up, did you think I'm gonna I'm gonna write these ridiculous songs, you know, based on real songs, and I'm gonna make a billion dollars in a bathroom at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, or as PK likes to call it, Cal Poly SOL. <laughs> is San is San Luis Obispo? There, what is their mascot? They're not the banana slugs, are they? No, that's you see Santa Cruz. They're the Mustangs. Oh, that's Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah Mustangs. <laughs> the what? The Mustangs. Oh, the Mustangs. That's not very unique. I mean, go Mustangs, I guess. But 
Yeah. Well, who who would have thought? PK, uh, I just wanted to mention that Colonel Sanders didn't get started until, do you know this? Do you know the answer to this? Um, he didn't get started until he was what age? 61. 65. Ah, I knew wow. he was in his 60s. There's a, so, there, there's a plaque on the KFC at 39th and State Street because that was yeah, his first store. The original. Yeah. With, with the Harmons. But, PK, that gives you a few years to get yeah, your oh, music career going. Uh, yeah, you know? I mean, I've had a few hits here and there. Yeah. You know, but, but going to the Rose Bowl, I, I everybody, it. don't you want to go go? An instant classic, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> We're going to the Rose Bowl, Frank. Dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that the truth? I mean, I I grew up a Pac-10 fan. Me too. Uh, DJ kind too. of in between. <laughs> yeah, in between living in between UCLA and USC. And uh, so the Rose Bowl was always the that that was the pinnacle of bowl season, and things have changed quite a bit. But I still consider the the Rose Bowl the granddaddy of them all. Well, when you think about it, it's the best bowl that you can earn your way into. Doesn't require a committee. I I don't know about this committee. In fact, I I am down on the. I'm down on the committee and the way they put the top four teams. I thought that was just, I mean, it was just like, hey, you know, SEC, let's have another all SEC championship game. Let's just devise that. I thought they could have split it up much better to give Cincinnati and Michigan a fair shot at getting into that game. And I I think they don't, it's not like they don't have a fair shot, but it feels like it's heavily weighted toward the SEC. Well, that's because they got two of the four teams in. And let's be honest, they did not want a rematch of the SEC title game in the semifinal. That's what they were trying to avoid. I did. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I wanted. Yeah. I think most, they were afraid most viewers didn't. And as PK has pointed out, it is a TV show. And I think that was the number one thing. They either had to move Alabama to number one or they had to do- drop ah. Georgia to number four because they did not want to put them 2 3, which would have made a certain amount of logic, but they didn't want to do it because they didn't want that semifinal again. What is more cringy, the the CFP committee or today's politician? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Why are you limited to today's politicians? <laughs> politicians. You want tomorrow? I'll take today's. <laughs> no. I was thinking yesterday. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I know stories about oh, LBJ man. going to the bathroom right. off the Oval Office with the door open while he's talking to AIDS. Like, dude, come on. Close the door. Well, hey, that's nothing that Rick Majerus didn't do as well. So I mean, let's <laughs> let's be honest here. Those that, that occurred. Wait, you're saying right Majerus went to the bathroom in a bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't know. He was in that pool very regularly. <laughs> you never know. Question of the day, Frank. Where does the Rose Bowl yes, rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think may, maybe the easy answer to say a number it's number one, but I, I don't know that it's number one. It's certainly the top three, but I think you could make arguments for for those for those three bowl appearances. You know the and I heard I think it was I think it was uh, PK saying yesterday 
everybody thinks everybody thinks <laughs> Boise State was the original BCS buster, which yeah. is not true. Right, right. So, so yeah, I mean that one you have to put that up there because that was an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the Sugar Bowl and beating uh, beating Nick Saban's Alabama and handily beating Nick Saban's Alabama in in New Orleans. I mean, that has to be up there. You're and then, of course, the Rose Bowl. You're I mean, such a do, football fan, Frank. What about the NCAA basketball tournament going to the 1998 NCAA final? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I thought, I'm sorry. I thought you were just talking football. No, nope. on the athletic department's list of accomplishments. You can go anywhere you want in the Utah athletic department to find an accomplishment. The ski team. Ski the team, ski team wins national championships like you know, they go into Mrs. Fields and buy cookies. I mean, that's, that's the, the ski <laughs> team just goes out. Funny and you should mention <laughs> that. <laughs> we'll save that for and, the end. We'll come back to the end. And, but well, go ahead uh, okay. with your thought. And, and, and listen, uh, I, I mean, the gymnastics team has a, has a very long uh, history of winning national championships. Not so much recently, but, you know, in the history of the of the program that the uh, the heydays of of Rick Majerus and the basketball program and some of those great teams all all certainly rank um, up there. I I don't know. I in in relation to all of those. Wow. I I put the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl has to be a top five accomplishment in, if you're considering all of Utah athletics. Um, it, you know, the, the success that they've had. I'll tell you why it's number one. I'll tell you why it's okay. number one for me. As you look at the Rose Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, those were in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. And when Majerus went to the NCAA final, he immediately said, because people were expecting him to get back and all that stuff, and he had built a power at that point, but he immediately said, we're no closer to Southern California. We're still out in the middle of nowhere with a foot of snow. And he was right. So mm-hmm. you were going to have circumstances. You know, you're going to need a prop kid in Andre Miller. You're going to need an under-recruited kid in Doliak, who ends up, both of those kids end up playing in the NBA. And you were going to need BYU to suck, so all the local LDS kids didn't want to go there. They wanted to plan a winning program, so you're going to get Alex Jensen and the Johnsons and so forth, right? So all those things had to transpire, and it's like with Kristoviak, you needed a foreign kid in Pirtle, and then you needed a JC kid in DeLon Wright, and that's how you built your NCAA appearances. But that's not the way to build year-in and year-out success. And here... The Fiesta Bowl and the Roll and the Sugar Bowl were awesome, but they were done largely with Mountain West kids, underdeveloped, under recruited, and then they became developed when they got to the U. Eric Weddle being an example, all that stuff. Now, all that, all those circumstances, they're gone. This is the Pac-12 that you're in now, and Lincoln Riley going there brings the Pac-12 publicity. Not notoriety, because notoriety is built off of notorious, which is a negative. People misuse that word all the time. And and Klavkov down there was talking about it. it. This helps the conference, and it certainly does. It was the buzz when it came out, what, last Sunday, whenever it was, mm-hmm. that it, mm-hmm. he's going to the Pac-12. So you don't need to get flukes. 
You could send out your team of recruiters, which they're doing as we speak this week, and now you could go into any place anywhere, and they know who the U of U is, and they know that's a program that has done nothing but winning here recently and puts a large amount of guys into the NFL, and you can get a degree if you're so inclined to get a degree, and hopefully they are if they stay long enough. So that's why, to me, the Rose Bowl is the number one accomplishment in athletic history because it has far greater staying power, and the impact goes well beyond January 1, 2022. They now can bring in a host of studs, and they can get studs now, and we're not going to look at it and say, wow. Plus, they also all have the ability to look at Joe blow and see, okay, he was a uh, a running back in high school, and we're going to make him an NFL linebacker, whatever it might be. We know the stories, mm-hmm. how they've done that. So that's why I put the Rose Bowl number one, because there's no yeah buts, and there's no, well, that was an exception. Nope. This has big time staying power, and they can cash in on it and cash in in a way that they couldn't cash in on all those other great accomplishments. I think you make a terrific argument uh, for for the Rose Bowl. Which is what I do. The, it's what you do, <laughs> and sing about it. It 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 is a it, it is an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, and I, I I don't want to diminish all the other teams in terms of staying power uh, for Utah. I I've said recently that. I think Utah's kind of primed to be a dominant figure in in the Pac-12, and and uh, you know even with even with Lincoln Riley, I you know everything indicates that he'll turn that program around, but we'll see. You you never know, but but even with Lincoln Riley there and what should be a reemergence of USC, which I think the conference needs. I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like uh, as a conference overall, until that hiring of Lincoln Riley, I guess, that the conference was really that interested in winning football championships and, and you have all the other issues that the conference is dealing with and trying to manage and focused on. And and I felt like, well, Utah has everything solidified. You know, a coach who understands the game, uh, has has like you said been successful at a, a very high level for a very long time, with maybe not all of the resources that other programs have available, and and now a president in Taylor Randall who understands the role that athletics and football plays in, within the university, uh, and I think someone who is willing to 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 give resources to the athletics programs and the football programs. So, I, I feels like within this conference and with with Coach Whittingham at the head uh, and with the administration in place, that Utah is is in a really in a really good place, and this certainly helps solidify that the, the football program. Uh, I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm curious to see if uh, if USC gets rolling, if UCLA kind of gets it figured out. I, Colorado seems like. A disaster. I don't know what's happening with the Arizona schools. They seem a few years off. The, the next Oregon hire is going to be critical for the conference. Um, we'll see what happens at I mean, Washington. These are teams that, that in the past several years have been kind of the leaders in the Pac-12, and they just fell off. Like, 
I, I, nothing against Oregon this year, but I thought Oregon should have taken a loss prior to playing Utah. Another loss. I, I don't. I don't think they should have been a one-loss team coming into that game. I thought they were kind of hanging on the cliff's edge for most of the year. So, so we'll see if 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 Oregon can get things rolling again. If Washington can can get things rolling in, and they should. USC, UCLA, uh, Oregon State looks like it's on an uptick. You know, maybe the conference gets itself back into prominence. But right now, I don't think it's a, a great conference. Well, part of that is, and, and they're doing it under different uh, circumstances, but Oregon, Washington, and USC, for most of my life, most of our lives, those have been the big three. UCLA did have mm-hmm. a run in the 80s. But those have been the big three. Other teams have broken through, Washington State a couple of times, ASU a couple of times. But those are the three that have had runs and really done things. I guess Stanford did win there three and four or five years. Yeah, But Washington, Oregon, and USC have been it for 40, 50, 60 years mostly. And they're all hiring new coaches in the same year. Now, one had them hired away. One had them hired away. But the other two did not like how things were going. They were way down. You know, what, yeah. what league can have its three biggest brands down? The Big 12, the Texas brand was down, but the Oklahoma brand wasn't. You know, yeah. and Ohio State, Michigan, uh Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, the Big Ten's had a lot of brands. Alabama's always been good in the SEC, and then LSU and Auburn and Florida and Georgia take their turns. So it, that's why people look at the Pac-12. You've got three biggest brands, and two of the three are really struggling. Don't you think that's a reason that uh, Lincoln Riley took that? I mean, I, I mean, USC certainly has its tradition, but... Don't you think that's a, a big factor for Lincoln Riley taking that job at USC? I mean, he looked I, I tweeted the that landscape. out, and you I tweeted that out, and you fans went nuts. But it seems obvious to me if he wanted to be in the SEC, he would be in the SEC. Yeah, he would stay at yeah. Oklahoma. He went to yeah. USC. Like, it's an easier path. They're giving him a ton of money, and he's got a yeah. lot of athletes in the backyard. And coming off fifty-five and ten, he thinks he can do better than everybody has done at USC the last decade, and he probably thinks that he can be. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he can be Pete Carroll. Maybe, but he, he certainly can fi- figure out. Like, if I'm looking at the pathway to the playoffs currently, I don't know that's going to change here quickly. But uh, going through the Pac-12 um, seems like a better path than going through the SEC at this at this moment. So I know. I don't we, think there's any. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just don't think there's any question that that was a factor in his decision. I know we got to go, but you said Mrs. Fields and laughed because I said Mrs. Fields to PK yesterday and got a laugh because he was telling me an outrageous story. PK, you have to share this story with Frank. He's going to find this entertaining. Yeah, so I'm in Vegas last week, and uh, the day of the game was on Friday. I didn't have anything to eat uh, that day, and I was going to wait and go get him the meal at the at the game. But there was a right at, we were staying at the Palms Place off of uh, Flamingo, and there was a place across the street, and it said cookies, right? So I thought, well, I'll go over uh-huh. there and get a cookie. So it's a nice day, too. It was 70 degrees, so I walk over there. I'm going to be out in the sun a little bit. And uh, as I'm walking into the store, these two guys pull up, and they go to, to go into the store, and the guy comes out, a security guard, and he's got a uh, one of those metal detector things. And the guy's like the wand you see at the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the guy's yeah, 
hold out their arms, spread out their legs, and he does it on both, both the guys, and then they got to show them their IDs. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a second, what? I just want a cookie. I don't want to get frisked. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> unbeknownst to me and my Utah naivete, the place was, whatever the place was called, it had a name, I forget. So I get on my phone and I uh, Google it to see what is going on. You know, I don't want to walk into a strip club or something here, and uh, which is what I thought, but it looked like a cookie shop. Well, it turns out that all the cookies that they had in there had one common ingredient, and that would be marijuana. <laughs> Remember that last time you went into Mrs. Fields and you got wanted on your way in? Yes. Oh. Those macadamia nut uh, cookies. you got to be wanted in, in Mrs. Fields. And this is like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, too. And I'm thinking, wait, something's off here. And not more than 20 yards to the west was a store that said marijuana dispensary. And so I knew what that was. And yes. while I was there, the entire time, and I got there Wednesday, the entire time I smelled marijuana. The entire time. So, so how was the cookie? I didn't get one. <laughs> I did not go in the store. Did you? Did you go for the white chocolate macadamia Maui Wowie? Yeah. I did not realize that there was such a place. I was looking for your basic chocolate chip cookie, just to have as a snack before I started to go over to the stadium. Yeah, I think I think we should start. And I mean, I don't know if Mrs. Fields even exists anymore, but I think we could bring it back, and we could have you know the regular. The PK Mrs. Fields, which is the regular, and then the then the Mrs. Fields enhanced, and then <laughs> yeah. you, you know you go into the enhanced store, and maybe you end up with a, a, some, a cookie that's a little different. It reminded you know? me of a time our first year in my marriage, and I've been married a long time now. My wife and I were in the Caribbean, and we're going to take a catamaran from uh, St. Thomas over to St. John's, and it was eight eight o'clock in the morning, and you pay for it, and they feed you on there. Well, we get down there, and they've got a continental breakfast, uh, some juice and rolls and stuff. Well, I figured I paid for it, and we already discussed this earlier this morning. I paid for it, so I'm going to have a whole bunch of uh, juice and rolls, right? Well, after about my fourth swig of my juice, my wife takes a sip. She says, um, I don't think this is strictly orange juice. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, dancing. This is the best orange juice I've ever had in my life. It's so fresh. <laughs> I thought it was the Caribbean, man. This tastes great. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, when in the Caribbean, you know. And it's 8.15 in the morning, and I threw down four of these things before I, she told me this isn't just juice buddy yeah and you're over there thinking i hope she doesn't figure out this isn't just juice no i honestly did not know that it was not just juice and i'm the naive sportscaster with a degree from marshall folk well, but see when i grew up yes. i i drank yes. beer i'll be the first to admit but i never drank hard liquor so i had no, no idea, idea what it Tastes like you weren't I, living the mimosa life in New Jersey, baby. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Hey, before I before I let you go, or I guess it's the other way around, uh, PK. I had one more thought on your, which may sway me as in, into this is the best accomplishment for Utah athletics. 
financially, doesn't this game mean more to the athletics program than than lots of those other uh, accomplishments Utah's had in the past? Not just in the payouts, but in everything else. Yeah. Because the last time I gave, I, the ASU would used to call me. I got I, I lost my landline now. I got rid of it, so they can't get me. But they would call me, and I'd say, "Hey, you go to the Rose Bowl. I'll date. I'll donate twenty five bucks every year. You go to the Rose Bowl." So I've donated a total of fifty bucks to my alma mater. Wow, well. So all the other, it's untold to... amounts of money that that this this thing will bring in. Yeah, no, no question about it. I think that financial aspect is something we we didn't mention. So that is absolutely we'll have to consider that. But. Yeah, go you. Such an un- unbelievable accomplishment, and I couldn't be happier for uh, for Coach Whittingham. I mean, that that's just a guy that, uh, under difficult circumstances, held this program together and put him right in this spot to, to accomplish this. Frank, we appreciate it. Mrs. Fields has one location left in Utah. If you're up in Layton, go to the mall. <laughs> I'll go check it they out. They got like 40 in California, though, so when you go home, there's plenty of places. Uh, you can stop on your way home and take care of yourself there. Is it still there? Are oh, they yeah, they got there? tons of locations, but they got one in Utah. Wow. But they got locations. Yeah, yeah go to the website. You can help yourself out. All yeah, right. Once upon a time, that was. They the, were everywhere, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. All right, guys. Great to talk to you. Have a great week. Here's Frank Dolce, our Ute insider. Next, Tim Lacombe, talking Utah Jazz. You're around the pre half and post game, but he also coached both Utah and BYU. And we will talk with him about the Utes and Cougars and where things stand right now for those two football team. Stay with us. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz Radio Studio Analyst joins us now. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Tim, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? I'm splendid, man. How are you? Good. How's your How's your sidekick? Who the hell would that be? Jake or Yock? I don't know. Have You're an the answer. boss. When <laughs> I re- when I say boss, that's when you come in. <laughs> I'm here. I'm well. Until then, you you stay quiet. Okay. How's the boss? Who would that be? Who? <laughs> <laughs> We's all fine. Good. So before we get to the Jazz, Tim McCone, once upon a time, you worked at the University of Utah. And then once upon a later time, you worked at BYU. And we have both you and Cougar questions for you this morning. But first, the Cougar question. Oregon, Kalani's name is in a, uh, on a fairly uh, short list of contenders. There is serious interest, real interest there, not just some, hey, let's put 30 names on a list. and You, you can narrow it down. If you're a Cougar fan, and I know you are, how worried 
should Cougar fan be? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, I don't know the word is the right word. I think... Uh, concerned? Concerned, yeah. Worries a little more. That's kind of what PK does. He worries. You and I, we, we have concern. Um, no, I think it's real. I think, you know, in Oregon's a place that, for a lot of different reasons, the majority of them, the color green, um, uniform and greenbacks I think are the the main reason but no I I think in in what Kalani does and the the guys he can recruit and everything else would be really enticing Um, you know I think you couple that with what you know I heard a little clip of Tom Homo yesterday talking about Kalani being their coach and you know them making sure that they're out in front of things so it'll be interesting for sure um but the one thing i can tell you knowing the situation pretty closely is a uh kalani loves byu you know he loves being there he he really does kind of see himself as a guy who you know brought up through by lavelle and and kind of carrying the torch so it, it would have to be really really good um, you know, for a lot of different reasons for, for Kalani to go. But um, I certainly has, I should have everybody's attention because I think, it, like you said, it's not just, you know, I think it's real, right? I think he's one of a couple of names that really makes sense. Yeah, I think that absolutely it does. I think there's there's multiple reasons why he would consider and then take the job. I don't know if he'll get offered it, but just for the sake of argument, and it would be that... Uh, you know, they just fund the program better. They fund the assistants better. And here it's at, at BYU, it's it's almost like assumed, well, an assistant gets a higher-paying job offer, he's gone, and we don't even bat an eyelash. And that, that's not the case at other places. And the, the program, the, the staff, which includes on-the-field coaches and other guys in other administrative positions, that they're concerned about the program being funded adequately enough to compete at the level that they're going to compete in in the Big 12. So what level of confidence do you have in BYU uh, wanting to compete at the level that they need to compete at financially once they go to the Big 12? Because it's going to be a difficult transition uh, just on the field, and then it's going to be made more difficult if it's not funded adequately. Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a, a look at how things are done that way. Um, you know, I can only speak from experience with, with you know, when when our staff had the ability uh, kind of in a similar time after the Jimmer year, uh, you know, Coach Rose got a couple of major schools offering jobs um, and for considerable, considerable raise for everybody. Um I mean, I think we could have probably gotten a raise for, uh, you know, and, and perhaps uh, hired somebody to park our cars if we wanted to at the place we were going. Um, so it, it was pretty incredible what, what the offers looked like. Um, but, you know, I think Coach Rose took that as an opportunity to try to leverage some positive stuff for the program. And he took the tack that, hey, we'd love you to build a facility here. Um, you know, that we could have on campus because at that point we were still getting kicked out of the the PE gyms and stuff when we'd try to get extra shots up. 
Um, so yes, uh, it's got to be looked at, and it's got to be it, it's got to be differentiated when they take that step. Um, you know, they they made a transition to independence, and they had to do a lot of different things differently. And yeah, they've got to get they've got to get into this day and age where um, you know coaches are appreciated and paid what they're supposed to be paid. I mean, I I spent 12 years at BYU, and I think I made about a fifth of what my colleagues made up north. So I think that has to be something that you take into account. All right, now we need the Ute portion of your career. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Man, it's really awesome. Um, you know, for because I'm a basketball person, I would imagine that, you know, the national championships and both the, uh, the NCAA, uh, the, the final four that Coach Majerus went to, um, the Sugar Bowl has to be up there. Certainly a lot of I mean, the women's gymnastic national championships are huge uh, for the school and created quite a following. But this one, you know, it, coming right now on the heels of everything that the program's been through, you know, I really do think that um, I think it was Ben Anderson that tweeted out that uh, Kyle really should be studied for a master class in leadership after this year, dealing with everything he dealt with, um, continuing to keep that thing plugging along. And, you know, it was on the field stuff and it was off the field stuff. And, you know, that stuff can get away from you really quickly. And then, you know, you lose to BYU, the thing could have really tumbled. So, I think it's massive. I mean, everybody, every Utah fan that I talk to, I mean, they're they're making their way to Pasadena. They understand the magnitude of this. And, um, you know, I I think it's an awesome, awesome thing for for the university, you know, to be able to take part in the granddaddy of them all. I mean, we've all been watching it as long as we've lived. And so it's, it's really cool that, you know, what was it, 10, 12 years ago, the Pac-12 came calling and, Utah negotiated their way through all that. Uh, everybody kind of wondered, will they ever be a player? And now they're they're playing in the Rose Bowl. So, kudos, major kudos to Kyle Whittingham, one of my favorite people, uh, and and his staff for what they got done, and all those players for hanging together. Yep, well said, absolutely. Turning to the Jazz, uh, sort of uh, riding the ship, but I don't know that this ship needed to be righted. I don't know that righted is a word, but you get the point. Uh, as far as, you know, the little mini slump that they went through, uh, I sort of uh, looked at it and thought, oh, man, these are dis- they're concerning losses. I didn't worry about them, using your words. I, I had them, I was concerned about them, and they were disconcerting. But at the same time, I'm not overly concerned because I think talent in this league wins, and over the course of the season, the regular season anyway, they'll be exactly where they're supposed to be. You guys see the Cleveland game or see pieces of the Cleveland game on uh, Sunday afternoon? Watched it, rewatched it, and then watched it again. Okay, so you've got it broken down. Mm-hmm. Um, I said prior to the, the Cleveland game, I thought the Boston game was probably as good as the Jazz have played. Um, and everybody, you know, hey, they gave up 130 points. Well, the offenses that night were both unbelievably good. Um but I'm telling you, that Cleveland game really turned my head. I, I grabbed the the prep film, getting ready to watch. Cleveland, if you haven't watched them, I know you have three times, PK. 
but for those that haven't, I think that they may be one of the best teams in the league you haven't seen or heard of. And, and two guys stand out off their film, uh, Jared Allen, who is just really starting to, you know, come into his own, understand the league, and he's starting to dominate. And then Darius Garland, who I think is going to be a – he'll be a perennial all-star. But that was a really hard game. Sunday afternoon, I thought the Jazz uh, weathered a few storms. They got down, you know, and had to make a push to win the game late. Um, I thought that the, you know, the ball movement, again, was terrific. In the last four games, the Jazz have made uh, 19, 20, 27, and 23s. Um, and so – you know, early in the year, threes weren't falling, but they're finding different ways to still be good offensively, still be the number one team in the league offensively, shooting, you know, 30% from three. That number's quickly gone up to 36, and so is their offensive rating, which is uh, way ahead of, I mean, five or six points ahead of the second place team, Golden State. So things are really starting to click for this team. Um, I'm starting to see that maybe even some of the frustrations early in the season individually are kind of going away. I see Donovan Mitchell smiling a lot out on the floor, which I like. Um, Rudy Gobert did not score in the first half and still had a major, major productive game, blocking shots, rebounding the ball at 20 rebounds. So little things that the team just kind of had to figure out how to learn. They're kind of starting to learn. Um, I've said all along, if they start making shots, look out. And I made the comment to Jake, Sunday afternoon, as things were really rolling against Cleveland, who was putting up a great effort, this is the type of team right here that could make it to the finals. You know, if they play like this, if everybody's playing for everybody else and the effort's there and they have the ability to shoot the ball like they're shooting it, like they've got they've got it what they need built there. So really exciting things going on with the Jazz right now. As good as they are. And they look, they look good, and they look like they can be very good. How big is the gap between them and the Suns and them and the Warriors? Well, I want to see them play. Um, you know, I think that's what's beautiful about the NBA right now. It's another reason I think Cleveland's for real. I looked at the strength of schedule, and it's number six. Um, everybody's playing, you know, different schedules and playing different people, and some teams you haven't seen yet. Um, and really, those those it comes down. I, I think they're both really, really good. I think they're both going to be tough matchups for the Jazz. But I also believe that the Jazz are better for you know their off season. Rudy Gay came in last game with no Hassan Whiteside, and he played that hybrid five to perfection. And so I, I think you know you, you think of last year and the Jazz and Phoenix and kind of. Phoenix had our number. Um, Golden State certainly is playing great basketball and Steph Curry's one of the greatest guys to ever shoot the basketball in history. But until they match up and we see, um, I don't really know, you know what the difference is between them. I know a couple games here and there. Uh, but I, I really like where this Jazz team is, and I'm really excited to see when, those, when they play the te- those two teams because they, you know, that'll give me a better idea of, of how they sit. So DJ doesn't think Donovan Mitchell is as good as Chris Paul. I do. What's your reaction? Right, like right this second. 
Yeah. Shocking, but I mean that's what he thinks. So I mean, I mean he's a basketball guy, as you know. Well, they're different players. I mean, it's kind of like people say, "Do you like DJ and PK?" Well, I like them, but I like them for different reasons. You know. Um, your mistake. Your mistake in answering this question was taking him seriously. <laughs> you screwed up. <laughs> we want to no, see if you take the bait. I'm doing it. I'm doing it a different way. I, okay. I know he's playing with me, so I'm going to play back. Okay. DJ's a conversationalist. Yes. You really don't if you if you have a, a an appointment in fifteen minutes you really don't want to get caught talking to him on the way out the door thirty but okay um, and then you know on certain days PK can just make you feel like you're nothing uh, just the little glances he gives you by certain days you mean days that end in Y not Correct. true you all mean everything to me. You're my guys. Um, the only time I actually, the only time I hear from him is when I have Stones concert tickets in uh, Vegas or access to a golf course. Let's put it that way. Not true. Not true. Not true. So yeah, but but I do have unique relationships with both. Um, I think informationally, DJ is about as good as it gets. Oh, yeah, he's something. Um, sarcasm level. Is off you know, the charts. Nearing him. a 101 for PK, which is really, it's New Jersey centric. <laughs> He's something. <laughs> I just think Mitchell's as good as Chris Paul. That's all. So we are at the end of the segment. But next week, Tim, when you come on, uh, we'll talk about the ever evolving priority of where you should take shots and why Chris Paul is a recipe for how the NBA needs to evolve. You and like pro- his mid-range? And if they're taking away dunks and threes, and you shoot what everybody else shoots at the mid-range, it's an ineffective shot. But if you're as automatic as Chris Paul, maybe we ought to double back and see how efficient that shot is. And if uh, NBA guys, if you want to stick in the league, maybe you should take about 10,000 of those next summer. Yeah, Get yourself you on a Chris Paul trajectory. <laughs> I like it. You could play, you know, just turn, as you practice, you could turn Pointer Sisters automatic on in the gym. Sing and it. maybe that would subliminally. No, I'll let PK sing it. Okay. All right, we appreciate it. Automatic. <laughs> that one. Tim around. Not one of the Pointer sisters, but one of the Pointer's cousins, maybe. All right, thanks, Tim. Cousins. Once removed. All right, later. There is Tim Lacombe. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Next.